The following podcast was made possible by the sponsorship of Teresa Leong Lee and by Catholic Digital Resources, where you can find downloadable faith formation resources and evangelization tools. Visit Catholic Digital Resources at CatholicDR.com to build your own faith and the faith of others. That's CatholicDR.com. Hi, I'm Terry Modica, and I want to welcome you into a retreat that was recorded live at St. Patrick Catholic Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 2013. Entitled Celebrating God's Love in Your Domestic Home Church, it focused on God's design for family life and the vocation of marriage. In this final part of the retreat, we look at the temptation in Genesis 3, for starters. Did you ever wonder why the serpent tempted the woman first instead of the man? And why Jesus came to earth as a man instead of a woman? Listen to what this reveals about recovering our own true identity in God's radical love. The handouts given to people who attended this retreat are available to you on our website. To find the link, see the show notes for this podcast, or go to our website, gnm-media.org and select the video on God's radical love. Let's begin now with a prayer to open yourself to all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, teach me. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. Good News Ministries of GNM.org presents Footsteps to Heaven. Now let's take a look at Genesis 3 and our part in, in this radical love. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden, etc.? Why didn't he ask the man that? Why did the serpent, representing Satan, why didn't the, the tempter why didn't he ask the man that? Man's role, as God designed him, is to be the protector. He also was, we'll put it this way, Satan probably felt that he could get his lie in to Eve easier than to Adam. Because women tend to be more, I say this as a woman, we tend to be more uh, vulnerable, yes, Men can be very vulnerable too. Anything that leads to sin is where we have vulnerabilities. Uh, but think about caveman days, okay? The woman nurtured the family in their domestic church that looked like a cave. Man, as soon as there was a danger, like a saber-toothed tiger, never mind that they didn't exist, they had gone extinct by then. It makes for a nice story. When the saber-toothed tiger comes to threaten the family, what, what did the man and the woman do? The woman naturally gathers the children and goes to the back part of the cave while the man goes out there with the spear and drives them off and kills them. That was when they were living more instinctively the way God created them to be. Before television came along and said, no, the woman has to go and grab the spear and go out there and kill the fatted bison. God created man and woman different and with a purpose. Why wasn't Jesus, when he came to earth, made as a woman. He came to show what man's role is in leading the church, 
in leading a domestic church, in leading people closer to Christ. Mary showed us the role of the woman as God designed it. Mary was a nurturer. She nurtured this child Jesus. She and other women, disciples, nurtured all of the group that followed Jesus around. They, they cooked for them. They ministered to them. Women, by biological nature, the way our brains are designed, with the two hemispheres having more neuron connections than men do, we're designed to be nurturers. We love to be nurturing. Men are designed to be the strong protector, the strong provider. Men want respect. Women want to be loved. Men want to be respected. Let's skip over to uh, Ephesians 5. This is the scripture that is always one of the things offered in a Catholic wedding, and the, the brides say, no way. <laughs> be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives should be subordinate to their husbands, as to the Lord. Well, they stop there. For lack of faith formation about what's really being said here, they stop there, if they only knew. Because the next verse, 23, says, For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. He himself, the Savior of the body. Husbands, love, this is verse 25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over to her. That's the harder job, isn't it? Isn't it, guys? You are being called to die for your bride. If necessary, real death. Men are called, through the word of God, to be the protector, which includes protecting the souls, the spiritual lives of the people of his domestic church, the home, the family. And guys who are single, it's extended out to, to the friends that God has put in your lives. Well, they've said that, that for all of us, but single guys have that as their primary. When the man is being Christ for his wife, then whatever he says that he wants her to be subordinate or submissive to, of course she's going to want to do it because it's God who's saying it. It's God's will. It's good. And just as God partners with us, he's not demanding, okay, here's what I want you to do. A, B, C, D, do it. He partners with us. In our prayer lives, which I keep wanting to stress, we need more of it. In our prayer lives, we should be able to hear the Lord saying, okay, I want to take an example out of my life. I want to extend what you're doing with the daily reflections and other ministry to the Hispanics. There's a lot of Hispanics that are hungry for this. So God puts it on my heart that we need to reach out for that. And then I start you know, talking, enjoying the conversation, and I say, okay, Lord, how shall we get this done? Well, you know, uh, I can find a volunteer to translate, but you know, Lord, I really like you give me a, a, a staff member who can do this, so they're right here. And the Lord gives me somebody in another state instead. So, <laughs> and now he's got me, he's giving me someone who lives in Argentina. <laughs> but this is the beauty of Good News Ministries being international through the internet, you know? And, 
And I keep saying, but Lord, I want somebody in the office. But it's a, it's a communion of discussion and planning. God doesn't dictate. God wants my input. And if it's a good idea, he says, okay, let's go for that. You know, for example, I, I came up with the idea that, well, maybe we should be putting uh, pictures to go with my reflection of the day. This, we've started doing that with the, the English edition a while ago. So let's do this in the Spanish one too. But on the picture is a little little nugget that from the reflection itself. And so now I need somebody to translate that. And it wasn't necessary to do, but God said, okay, that's a good idea. And he provided a volunteer who doesn't live near me, but volunteered to do that. So God's not a dictator, just as the husband in the family is not to be a dictator, but it's a discussion, a partnership. And if you substitute the word subordinate, or some, some uh, translations say submit to one another. They you know that first verse, by the way. Submit to one another, kind of reference for Christ. Not saying that the woman's the only one who submit, subordinate. That's where the discussion comes in. That's where the, you know, it's the equality of sharing in the discernment of what God wants to do and what what wants us to do and what do we want to do with our vacation or what do we want to do with the job situation or whatever. But as the church is subordinate to Christ, so wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything. Everything but sin, by the way. It's not saying that the husband wants us to do something that's sinful that we're supposed to do it. Just as Christ is head of the church, it says the husband is head of the wife as Christ is. So if the husband is saying, I'm discerning in prayer, and if he doesn't have a prayer life, you have to say, maybe it's from God, maybe it's not, and go into discernment on it. But if the, if the husband says, I'm discerning that God wants us to do this instead of this, then substitute the word respect in there. Wives, respect your husband. Or substitute the words protect. When Ralph and I were first married, in our first apartment, we were in the bedroom, and we heard a noise out in the living room. Now, in high school, by the way, Ralph and I were high school sweethearts. People said, it won't work. It, we had to work hard to make it work. But So there we are in our first apartment, hearing noise. Of course, you think somebody's broken in, right? So Ralph, in high school, he had learned judo. So Ralph had... <laughs> Boy, did I feel loved. <laughs> Women feel the love when the man protects her. Men feel the love when we respect that. God designed us to be different, and if we cooperate with that difference, things work better. Back to Genesis, in verse 2, the woman responds to the serpent. What was the man doing? Nothing. <laughs> So who was the first one to sin? Yes. The man. Before the woman ate that forbidden fruit, the man did not do a thing to protect her from it, did not help her grow closer to God, did not protect her from temptation. Finally, it makes sense. That's scripture. Finally, it makes sense. So they both sinned. In verse 6, 
The woman saw that the tree was good for food because she'd been seduced into hearing it. Satan took the truth that God said and twisted it. I don't have time to go into all that, but you can you can look at that. It's right there. Anyway, so the woman saw that the, the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. He was with her. That's all. He was just with her. And he subordinated himself to her. Okay, you're giving me this forbidden fruit. I will submit to that and submit to your suggestion and eat it. It's backwards, it's upside down, and of course, that was the beginning of the original sin. That was the fall. Okay, um, on the handout under Ephesians, number two says, looking back at Genesis 3, what could the man have done to deserve the woman's respect in that situation I just read? Okay, say no, don't eat it. What else could he have done? Let's say she didn't believe him, because the, the tempter was on one side, and there's the man on the other side, and they're in disagreement with each other. What could he have done to one or other? How protect? Remind her, yes. In other words, be a faith instructor. Be a catechist. In verse 15, still in chapter 3 of Genesis, God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. I will make enemies of you. I will cause conflict between you. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring, the, the devil's offspring, and her offspring. Who is her offspring? Jesus and us. He will strike, but it's a he. He will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. So, who's the offspring that's a he that will successfully strike at the head? Because this is what God ordained, the head of, of the tempter. Jesus. Jesus and who is the Jesus amongst us? Who is the priest of our homes? The man, the he. The man is given. Now, we all have it. Because it's not black and white. We all have, women have some uh, male characteristics. You know, we, we, we know how to fight. And the man does know how to love and be nurturing. But God ordained that Jesus, yes. But who is Jesus in the home that I just read about in Ephesians 5? It's the husband. And what's the head of Satan? that the husband has been given authority and power over. It's the thinking part of demons. It's the strategizing part. It's the part that says, oh, there's a vulnerable spot. I'm going to play that one up. She's vulnerable to the temptation of uh, gossip. So I'm going to use that to cause division between her and her friends. And the man, we can all do it. Because we all have Christ in us, but the man has been ordained as the priest of the domestic church to be the first one to say, ah, in prayer, get understanding and say, ah, there's a tempter who is planning to divide my wife from her friends, who is try or is trying to, uh, to lead my wife to sin because I'm hearing this tone of gossiping going on here. 
and so lovingly, compassionately, the way Christ did, he says, honey, do you really want to be a gossip? Remember what scripture says? He comes to catechist in a gentle, loving way where the two of them have to work out how that happens because each personality is different. That's the way God ordained the priest of the domestic church to protect the family. To be able to, in his prayer life, to be able to identify the strategies of the evil one. Because once you know the strategies, you know how to pray. And what's the best way to defeat the devil? To do the opposite of what he wants. Best way to defeat the, the devil who's tempting us is to do the opposite of what he wants. If families knew this, there'd be a lot fewer divorces because divorce is a division. Satan has been having an agenda, a strategy, for many, many years, decades, of dividing families, breaking up families. Because if we are so busy in our woundedness, trying to recover from brokenness, and including the children who are who have to deal with the brokenness of the, the marriage and being split between two parents and whatnot, if the Catholic Church were full of people who understood God's real plan for family life, and we got the training where we were able to, to become the man of God and the woman of God that we're supposed to be. Can you imagine how the world would be transformed by doing the opposite of what Satan wants? But it takes knowing what God has called us to do, who God has called us to be, and the authority we have to defeat evil by recognizing its strategies because we have a good prayer life and we have a good moral life and we know what the teachings of the church are, we know what scripture says. Now this is a lot of work to get to this point, yes. And what did Jesus say in the book of Revelation? Basically, a mediocre Christian is vomit. Jesus said, I'd rather you be cold or hot because he can work with the cold because the cold Christian is somebody who's like, I'm really angry at God, I want nothing to do with the faith or whatever. There's something that can be done to evangelize them. The hardest person to evangelize is the Catholic who says, or any Christian who says, I'm okay just where I'm at. I don't need to grow. I don't need to do any real work at, at, at you know, studying the scriptures and, and uh, attending retreats like this. How many people are not here? Some of them are at another retreat. Okay. <laughs> the hardest one to evangelize is the person who is satisfied with status quo, and they're not, they're ineffective. They aren't making much of a difference for the kingdom of God because they're not doing much for the kingdom of God. Satan doesn't care about those people. They're not a threat to him. And Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out. You're vomit to me. Yuck. Ugh, I can't stand you in the, in the taste of you in my mouth. We are called to be a people who use all the radical love that God wants to give us every day. One of my morning prayers is very often this. Lord, help me to receive from you today everything you want to give to me. Your love, your wisdom, your guidance, whatever special surprises you want to give me today, your peace. Whatever it is you want to give me today because you know I need this. I don't know what's in store for the day, but you do. Whatever you want to give me, help me to receive it. 
and then to give it an extra boost just in case I'm not paying attention when he gives it. I say, Lord, surround me with holy angels who help me get it. There's so much love. There's so much gift from God. There's so much grace available to us. There's so much supernatural help to do what he calls us to do. But we have to do our part to make ourselves available to that, to open ourselves up to that. I started going to daily mass in order to, to get there, in order to help. That's one of the things I did to open myself up more. It takes getting to know what the scriptures say, getting to know what the church teachings say. You know, there's a whole lot of mediocre Catholics who disregard what the church's teachings are. If it's inconvenient for them to follow it, birth control is probably the most popular one, because they don't know what the radical love is behind that teaching. To use the example of birth control, it sounds like the church is telling us, you know, like the church is interfering, the church being the hierarchy, is interfering with our bedroom life. It sounds like some priest who doesn't understand what it's like to be, you know, not a priest, married or single. So, it, it, you know, it, it sounds, because we don't know what the teaching is really saying, it doesn't seem to enhance our love life. It seems to be an interference. It seems to be a hardship to get rid of artificial birth control and use natural family planning methods, which every diocese offers classes in. Ralph and I went both routes. When God finally got through to us about the value of natural family planning, we switched to that, and it is so much better. There is so much love that was released through that method that wasn't available through the artificial means. When we study the church's teachings and look with the question in mind, what is the love? Where is the radical love in this teaching? And we ask the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, to enlighten us. We find that radical love, and guess what? Then we want to obey it. We want to subordinate ourselves to it. And so, I leave you with this challenge. Know who you are to God. Know your awesome gemness that you are. Get to discover God's radical love. However much you think God loves you now, he loves you more than that. And then when you grow closer to him and you become more aware of his love and you think, oh wow, look at all this love you have for me, Lord, it's more than that. So we should be spending the rest of our lives in that discovery process, getting more and more in touch with his love for us. Because that's what frees us to be his radical love for others in our homes and everywhere else. So may God bless you on that journey of discovering how you are receiving and are called to give is radical love. This podcast was made possible by supporters of Good News Ministries who hope to strengthen and build your faith. If this episode speaks to your heart, then I ask you to pass it along to your family and friends. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Forward it by text and email. And let us know what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. How has this episode made a difference? You can contact me through the Good News Ministries website at gnm.org or by texting me if you are one of our subscribers on WhatsApp. May I ask a favor of you? 
Please cover this life-changing podcast ministry in your daily prayers. And if you can, help me continue making these podcasts by becoming a sponsor. Any donation is helpful, but we are especially seeking sponsors for upcoming episodes. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.